0: Good morning and happy Pentecost to you. I'm Sarah, the pastor here at Crozet United Methodist Church, and we are overjoyed that you have joined us this morning for worship. It is a day across the globe when churches are celebrating the recounting of the coming of the Holy Spirit on what we call Pentecost. Ten days after the ascension of Jesus to heaven, the Holy Spirit descended upon us, and we have been receiving it and using it to spread the gospel and bless others for decades and decades and decades. And today we're going to celebrate that, and we are hoping that the Holy Spirit will do something new and wonderful, not only to bless us, but that we might bless others. So as we begin our worship this morning, I want to share with you a couple things. We've been uh, encouraging our children to come up with names for our new kitty cat that Jesus got, and so today is the last day. So if you haven't yet submitted your idea for what we should name this really cool cat Jesus acquired while we've been in isolation, then you can have your adult that is with you, whether it's a parent or a grandparent, go ahead and submit that even in the comments right here on the video. We would love to know what you think we should name our kitty. And we have a couple other announcements we want to share with you. Of course, you'll notice I'm wearing red, and a lot of us here are wearing red. If you're not wearing red, it's never too late, because I can't see you. So go ahead and get dressed afterwards or put on some red or decorate your front door, your windows, do something to celebrate, and send us a picture. We're going to be compiling all of those, and we would love to see how you are marking Pentecost, even if it's baking cookies and dyeing them red. However you want to do that, we want to see what you're doing to celebrate the birth of the church. And so today, we also want to encourage you at 1030, we're going to be hosting our virtual fellowship again after worship. You can click the link in the comments to join us, and it's an opportunity for us to have some time together worship worship to say hello and, and keep those relationships alive and so thank you to everyone who's been joining us it's a pleasure to see you and hope you'll pop in today and also um you can send those pictures all by the way of pentecost to our facebook or you can send it to communications at croze united methodist.org i want to make sure i let you know that so that you can get those in and then next week we're really excited we are going to transition to live streaming two worship services So those of you who have been with us in person in the past, you know that 930 is our contemporary worship slot and 11 o'clock is our traditional. And next week, we're going to do just that. So you can still tune in at 9.30 and see more of the contemporary worship, and we're going to be working on some of, of our contemporary hymns and songs. And then at 11 o'clock, I'll be wearing my liturgical robe, my stole, and we'll have an opportunity to engage in some of those classic liturgies and affirmations of faith if you've been looking for that. So we hope that you will have the opportunity to join us for one or both. Can you ever get too much Jesus? I don't think so. So we hope that you'll join us. And the last thing I want to remind you of, I announced this on Thursday at the conclusion of the Bible study is that this Thursday there will not be a Bible study. I have needed a little bit of a break. And so this week uh, coming up, I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to be answering emails and I'm not going to be doing Bible study, but I will be back for worship that next Sunday. So uh, if you have an emergency or there's something that you need, please feel free to contact our office staff and they will route things to me and we'll make sure that we get everything covered. But I am going to try to rejuvenate and refresh and be ready for June. So thank you so much for all of you that have joined us. We are looking forward to going right into our first hymn. It is number 328, Surely the Presence of the Lord. And you might be thinking, why are we singing this song when we're not all gathered together? Because we believe theologically that God in the presence of the Holy Spirit can do things and unite us in ways that we cannot fathom or fully understand. And so we are hoping and praying that that will be true as we sing this classic song for Pentecost. i uh-huh. the, The blessing of having the United Methodist hymnal, the very next number, 329, is a prayer to the Holy Spirit that comes to us through Native American Christians. And so I would like an opportunity to share that with you in honor of all of those who have experienced the presence of the Lord through the power and the movement of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. O great Spirit, whose breath gives life to the world and whose voice is heard in the soft breeze, we need your strength and wisdom. Cause us to walk in beauty. Give us eyes ever to behold the red and purple sunset. Make us wise so that we may understand what you have taught us. Help us learn the lessons you have hidden in every leaf and rock. Make us always ready to come to you with clean hands and steady eyes. So when life fades like the fading sunset, our spirits may come to you without shame. May it be so. Amen. And we're going to have our moment of children's time. This is always one of my favorite encounters in church when we have the opportunity for the children to come down and, and celebrate. And in the past, we've done this on Pentecost. I remember, I think it was my first Pentecost year. We had a giant sheet cake, a big red sheet cake covered with more candles than anyone should ever have around dozens of children. And it was a fabulous opportunity to bring together our culture of celebrating the birthdays of people and the liturgical tradition of celebrating the birthday of the church. And so if you love your birthday parties and your celebrations, then it's a perfect time for us to remember that we celebrate beginnings of many kinds, and especially that of the church. So how does the church have a birthday? Well, the church isn't just a building like this one that I'm in right now, and it isn't just Uh, an institution like a school or a college or a hospital instead the church is a people it's people throughout time people who are older than you and I and people who have gone before us people all the way back that knew Jesus and one day when they were gathered together the Holy Spirit came because Jesus promised his first disciples that he wouldn't leave them alone And that he would send what he called the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with them. And so the Holy Spirit came and they couldn't necessarily see it like I could see you if you were here or you could see me. But instead, they could feel it and they could hear it and they could sense it. And other people could sense God because the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's what we're celebrating today. That God came to us in yet another new way. God came to us in a new way in Jesus, which we celebrate at Christmas, but on Pentecost, we remember that for the first time, the Holy Spirit was for everyone. Before that, if you go back and read the first part of the Bible in the Old Testament, you'll find that the Holy Spirit was mostly for the prophets, that it was for those people that needed to tell God's people that they weren't behaving very well or that they needed to refocus and remember what God had told them. But now, All of us can have the Holy Spirit. It's something that is given to us when we are baptized. It's something that comes upon us when we call for God to come and be with us no matter where we are. And so you, no matter how old you are, whether you're two or 202, you have the power to have the Holy Spirit, to call upon God to give it to you. And if you've been baptized, maybe you don't remember. I don't remember when I was baptized because I was just a little baby when I was baptized and I received the Holy Spirit for the first time. But it's wonderful to talk to our family and say, hey, do you remember that day? Was I baptized or could I be baptized? Those are opportunities for us to be part of the Pentecost celebration. And so if you would like today to have something wonderful you could do, you can write a card and make a birthday card for the church and then if you want to send it here to the church I'll make a big mural of them and we can see how we celebrate it including the pictures that we are inviting all of the adults and the teenagers to send in to our communications team so we would love to see how you celebrate that Pentecost is something wonderful that doesn't just happen once a year it happens every time we call upon God to be with us in the Holy Spirit and we're very excited to celebrate that today. And maybe you're wearing your red. Maybe you want to make a red card. Maybe you want to make it all colorful and and like the fire that we usually think of the Holy Spirit as. Sometimes we think of it as the dove, which you might be able to see on the banner behind me. The Holy Spirit is a wonderful thing that moves and comes to us. That's why we use fire, and the dove is a symbol for the Holy Spirit. So hopefully you'll be celebrating today, too, and having a good time. It's a perfect excuse to have red cupcakes, which are some of my favorites. So look forward to seeing how you're celebrating. And I want to remind you that you can come up with a great name for our kitty cat and have that come into the comments today. And then I look forward to sharing with you whose name we're going to pick. So thank you so much for being with us this morning. And now we have a really special treat. I had the opportunity to hear John Hilker warming up this morning, and we are truly getting ready to be blessed as he gives us a medley of the old rugged cross and near the cross. <laughs>
1: Shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Last I lay down, I will claim.
0: Before I share with you the classical Pentecost scripture this morning, I want to invite us to take a moment and be in prayer. I know that many of us have gathered together in this new and different way in order to find comfort for the events that we have been witnessing and witnessing unfold, and some of us are looking for hope and joy, and I believe that we serve a God who is able to be all things. And bring all things to people. And so I'm hoping that in this moment when we come together in prayer. That God will give us exactly what we need this day. Let us pray. Gracious almighty and loving God. There are people hurting all over the world. And we have watched as people have struggled and suffered. Those who are sick and dying. And those who cry out from places of injustice. And long standing hurt. But we believe in the balm of Gilead. We believe that Jesus Christ is the one who is able to love us, heal us, and grant us hope to make real change. Whether it is to find ways to bring healing and wholeness to those who are sick. Ways to comfort and encourage those who are near the end of their life. Or ways to find changes within and in our systems and our societies. So that ultimately, your will will be done for all people not just those who claim you in the title Christian, but those who are yours from before the day of their birth. For you have created all people, known them, loved them, and seek to bless them. May we embody that not only in this time of worship, but in our lives. Help us to be cleansed of the things that are obstacles to loving as you love. Help us to embrace the words of Scripture that remind us that because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, not just that first Pentecost, but every day thereafter, that change is not just an idea, but it is the reality of the church. That we are changed and we seek to bring forth change that will reflect the kingdom to come, the awesome and almighty God that we know and love, and the Christ that we serve through our acts of kindness, our acts of mercy and our love and compassion as disciples of that same Christ. May it be so, almighty God. May this be a time where you heal those who are hurt, you inspire those that are stagnant, and you bring all of us together, not for our glory, but yours. May it be so, almighty God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning uh, is probably one you can guess. It comes from the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. It is chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And perhaps you've heard it many times, but I'm going to encourage you to listen very carefully as if this were the first time. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be
2: to
0: God. Amen. So this morning as we are in each of our own homes, much like the original apostles, they were gathered in one place and they were not expecting what we come to expect on Sunday mornings. They were not expecting to go into worship and to have the songs and the liturgy and the experience of the ministry of the word. They were gathered in a place mostly out of fear. They had watched Christ be crucified and then resurrected. They, they watched him walk among them in the earth for 40 days. They got to see him ascend into heaven, and then they thought, is it over? What, what now? I mean, surely, yes, that one night he told us he would send us someone, but what now? What's next? I think Christendom, especially here in our context in the United States of America, certainly in the Commonwealth of Virginia and here in Crozet, we resonate with that question what next what do we do with ourselves as far as isolation what do we do with ourselves as far as emerging back into the world and reintegrating into whatever will be what do we do with the violence and the suffering that we are witnessing not only in the media but in the news what do we do with these things what are we called to do is the question most of us asked lord what would you have me do and we wrestle with this and we struggle with this and i know that there's part of me that yearns for the joyous safety of Pentecost in most churches which is filled with people wearing head uh, wearing head wearing red from their toes to their head people who are excited and exuberant and children who are looking forward to that birthday celebration giving us a moment to kind of bask and stop our concern and just be joyful But today, it feels very different for us. Today, things don't look or sound or act the same, and that couldn't be more Pentecostal because nothing was the same that day. They had never experienced God's presence quite like this. This is Old Testament experience of the presence of God the Father, the rushing of the violent wind, the chaos and the disorder of suddenly God doing something holy and different. God telling the people, I am empowering you to speak. And people struggled with what they heard. This is not a message we're used to before. These are not a people we're used to listening to before. Look at these Galatians, these Galileans. Who would listen to these people? These are backwater Judean Jews, and why would we listen to them? But what was so compelling, what urged the message forward was that suddenly, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, they could speak languages that they could not and should not be able to speak. They could speak in the vernacular and the dialects and the language of people from well beyond their scope, their existence, their travel, or their imagination. Suddenly, the apostles could do something that they would never have thought possible. And if God had told them that that's what they would be doing, many of them would have doubted. Just like those in the streets doubted what they heard. How can this be? I don't know about you, but I don't often see drunk people suddenly be able to speak in Cantonese. But that's precisely what they were arguing. Look, they must be drunk. Suddenly they can speak in fluent French. Instead, God was showing that the power of the Holy Spirit is to make a change that no one could see coming. That no one would expect and nobody would believe unless it was God at work. And many of us are looking for that kind of change right now. We are looking for God to do something because we can't figure out what to do. We see people hurting. We are hurting. Our loved ones are hurting. For a multitude and a multiplicity of reasons, we are experiencing the suffering of others. And those of us who have been baptized And receive that presence of the Holy Spirit. We know that there's a call to respond. It makes me think of our liturgy for Holy Communion. When we as a people lift up our corporate prayer of repentance. And we say merciful God forgive us. For we have not heard the cry of the needy. Have we heard their cry? And what do we do with it when we hear it? What are we supposed to do Now is the question. And so this whole time I was trying to figure out what what would Pentecost look like? What is it going to feel like? How do we make Pentecost truly the celebration that it is? And then on Friday, I received a letter from our bishop. And I want to share with you her words that don't just haunt me. They are forever in my mind and upon my heart. When she writes to us, In this letter that is a call to action on systemic racism, which comes not just from her Episcopal duty, as a leader of a church of all people, all nations, all races, all genders, all walks of life. She comes to us and from her own very dramatic background says to us, when do we as children of God decide that God is calling us into action? When do we decide that mere words or social media interactions for a few days are just not enough? When do we as children of God decide that the systemic racism in our society, whether manifested overtly or covertly, is a sin that hinders our relationship with Jesus Christ and is antithetical to the gospel? When do we as children of God in the second largest annual conference in the United Methodist Connection decide to have the crucial conversations and examine our own experiential and inherited stories of racism and race. And she goes on to offer ideas, and before I could even get to those ideas, I found my head spinning, and I thought to myself, what do we do? What are we supposed to do when we see people who are hurting? And it made me think of my experience I am hyper-white. I am generally the whitest person in the room. That has always been my experience. And when you're hyper-white among white people, you are very aware of your whiteness. And I can remember growing up in high school, the first time that a whole group of my friends were out after dark, and one of us was African-American. And he was over six feet tall, and he towered over us. And I remember a couple of police officers coming up to us, And they weren't talking to the rest of us. They were talking to him. They wanted to know what he was doing. And I remember thinking, why are they asking him? He's not even the loud one here. Why are they focused on him when there's others of us who are doing things that are much more questionable than what he's doing? And I remember coming home and telling my mother, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on here because He is one of us. He's one of our friends. Why is he being singled out? But my mother, who grew up in the southern parts of Virginia, knew quite well what was going on. And I've had the opportunity to see this over the course of my life in really hurtful ways. I remember being in a relationship with an African-American man and witnessing how people reacted to us simply sitting in a restaurant together. I can remember the first time that I realized that People have all kinds of concepts about what it means to be a different color of skin. And when I went to India for three weeks with my fellow seminarians led by a professor, we were traveling around southern India, and our guide, um, he was of the merchant caste. And so as we were traveling around, he had the ability to show us how the caste system ...was actually something that was very much based upon the color of your skin. And none of the people in India that were native would consider themselves to be white, as I am white. But they did have differences in skin tone. And I remember that as we went down and we went to places where you were encountering different people... ...of the caste system, which is very much alive in the minds and in the society in India... I remember the time that we went to a Dalit village, and the Dalits are what most Americans know as untouchables. They're called that because the careers that they are allowed to have make them so filthy, literally and ritually, that they are considered untouchable people. But Dalit is the word that they use. Dalit means broken and scattered. And we went to a Dalit village, and in that village, some people had never seen a white person before. And I remember walking through this village and meeting people and talking with the children. And I remember this woman who was old enough to be my grandmother taking me by the hand. And she started to tug me towards her home, which was really not much more than a hut. And as she started to try to drag me into the house, I I turned to our guide and I said, "What, what what is she doing? I don't understand. What does she want? And he came over and he talked to her. And he looked at me and he says, she wants you to go into her home. And I said, why? And he said, because she's never seen a white person and she assumes that you are holy because of how white you are. And I have never felt so ashamed to think that she found worth because I was white and didn't see worth in others because they weren't. And I remember standing there wrestling with, Do I do what she wants because she thinks that my presence is an honor? Or do I stop the perception that I am better because I am white? And I remember wrestling with that, not wanting to be rude because that's one of the things in which I was raised, but also not wanting to perpetuate the same kind of painful understanding that led to my friend to be persecuted. That led to someone with whom I was in a relationship to be shunned or to be attacked. That has led to the same kind of pain and suffering we have been witnessing in the news. And so I pay attention now when people start talking about the color of skin. Very few people say, oh, if you're looking for our pastor, she's the hyper white woman in the front. Very few people say, oh, you mean our psoriatic pastor because she has psoriasis? They don't recognize me because of my skin color. They may recognize me because they think I'm a female, but they would be wrong. They might recognize me because I have a presentation that might say I'm not heterosexual, but they would be wrong. And so the problem is that we continue to have distinction where the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us that there is none. I have been drawn back to the letter of Galatians where the Apostle Paul, who not only had an encounter with the risen Christ, but repeatedly invoked the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, spoke these words. In chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, he says, By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it would be wonderful if we could expect all people to simultaneously manifest all of those fruits. I myself never manifest all of these. I'm continually wrestling with patience above all. But yet sometimes we have the unreasonable expectation that just because somebody claims to have a relationship with Jesus Christ or just because someone claims the title of Christian that they should be held to a standard by which we ourselves cannot live. And we struggle with that. But even more so than what we are called to be by the fruit of the Spirit are the words that Paul writes before that. The words that resonate with me as I think about everything that is going on today and what Pentecost truly did. If you want to know what Pentecost did for Christians throughout time, it is in Galatians 3, verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. When we wonder what the Holy Spirit really did on Pentecost, what we find is that it was the great equalizer. That those of us who enjoyed power and privilege because of things that were beyond our control, that we were free, that we were male, that we were a Jew, or that we were a Greek, Those things do not matter in Jesus Christ. Those who felt that they were less were raised. And those who had enjoyed power and privilege for no reason that they had earned were asked to be humble. And we are asked repeatedly to not only find our equilibrium, but to help others achieve their own. And we struggle with this as modern Christians to find the way in which the Holy Spirit will enable us to truly be who we are called to be. It is time that Christians all over the world recognize that God is still doing Pentecost, that it is still happening. The bishop in her letter said, We are the second largest conference, the first, for the first time at the next general conference of the United Methodist Church. A global denomination will not be white." It will not be American or of European descent. It will be African. For the Holy Spirit and Pentecost are truly alive there. People hear the message of Jesus Christ. They receive the Holy Spirit. And in places where they thought that their living would simply be survival and then death, they have experienced not only the ability to thrive, but to help others, entire communities do likewise. And their desire to let their faith be for all has changed countless lives. That's why the conference that is now number one in the world has increased by 100,000 Christians a year. It is incredible to see. And it will be a moment when Methodists from all over the world gather together and there will have been a shift in the power differential. There will be a time now where faces previously silenced will have the position of power and authority. I had the opportunity to encounter just a taste of the joy that they have when I went to call general conference in February of 2019 in St. Louis, Missouri. And before the conference began, there was an entire day of worship and prayer And each section of it were led by a different area of the world. And when the African bishops got up, they radiated joy. And one could not do anything but think, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And it was incredible to hear their testimonies, to see what they had done, the the facilities that they had built, the gifts that they had given and the way in which they took what they had considered to be nothing and through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit multiplied it so that it wasn't just enough, it was abundant. And because of this, they were able to bring people home to the flock of Jesus Christ. They were able to show them that they were of infinite worth, sacred worth, that they were beloved, known, forgiven, loved, and free. That is the testimony of the Holy Spirit every day of the year, not just on Pentecost. But the problem is that sometimes we compartmentalize Pentecost into a day when we wear red and we celebrate and we sing happy birthday to the church, and then that's it. Shame on us if that's how we think about Pentecost. We need to be a people who see that Pentecost empowers us to stop making differences a reality that Pentecost is a time for us to realize that in Christ, there is no white or black. In Christ, there is no straight or gay. In Christ, there is no citizen or immigrant. In Christ, we are all equally loved. We are all forgiven. We are all struggling to not only receive but embody the same fruits of the Spirit. And we are being asked to start thinking, speaking, Hearing and acting differently because of the Holy Spirit. So if I treat you differently, if I talk to you differently because you are black, I am wrong. And if you treat me differently because I am female, you are wrong. We should begin treating each other as if we are Jesus Christ. We should start treating each other as if we are beloved beings of God, of infinite and sacred worth who are not perfect, but we all come from the same perfect God. And that is the message of Pentecost, that we need to start thinking differently. If we feel the need to start identifying somebody because of their skin color or their gender or some other social distance, some other way of stratifying and creating a hierarchy, then we are wrong. If we start making judgments about somebody based upon what we see, we are wrong. If you pay attention to the interactions that Jesus has throughout the four gospel accounts, you will see him living this out. He doesn't judge people. He receives them where they are. He wants to know what they want. This came home for me this morning as I thought about the woman who had a horrific bleeding disorder. And she was considered perpetually unclean. There was nothing that she could do because her body was so sick that she would always be on the outside. She would have been cast out and never allowed in because she was so unclean for a cause well beyond her ability to take control over. And she came into the crowd and she risked herself And she got as close to him as she could and she thought, if I can just touch, just touch his him, I know that I will be healed. And when she did it, she was healed. And Jesus felt it. And he stopped and he said, who touched me? He wanted to know who it was. Not what. Who touched me? And when she was bold enough to say it is I, blessed her and he sent her forth. He was ensuring that who she was was received and acknowledged by him, not what he saw, not what other people saw, not a woman, not an unclean woman, not someone who is sick and to be shunned and from whom we should never encounter, but one of his flock, one of God's children cried out from her place of pain, and he heard her, and he helped her, is that not the standard that we are called to, to hear and acknowledge, and to see that people strike out in pain? And that doesn't make it okay. But we can't begin to find healing and wholeness and peace and harmony until people recognize that they are being heard, and that no matter what they speak, They are loved. They are cared for. And we want to be with them. It is antithetical to the gospel for us to put ourselves at odds with any of God's people who are suffering. We might not fully understand. We might not approve of everything they do. But you heard what Paul said. Our response should always be that which correlates to the fruits of the spirits so when we hear someone crying out in anger and pain from injustice when we hear and feel people who are so downtrodden and depressed because of their discrimination when we witness people that are being made into pariahs in society and within the walls of the church our response is here we should respond with love with joy peace patience kindness generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if people want to say, well, that's not how they're responding, that's true. But how will anyone ever learn any different unless we model it? How will anyone ever learn to temper their response? A response that is born out of a sense of not being heard, not being received, not being loved, but instead being feared and hunted. Our job, our duty as Christians, is to reach out with the fruits of the Spirit and to love people through the midst of their pain, to love them until the anger can be calmed enough to truly start making change. But if we want to make change, it starts here and how we talk about other people. How we act toward other people and how we act in response to their presence, their pain, their cries for help. How do we as individual Christians and as this body of Christ respond? Christ has shown us so many times that the response is compassion, calm, kindness, forgiveness, and love. May that be what is embodied and imbued with us today by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit so that when we come out of the places that we are now, we will come out as new vessels ready to make change out there because we've been working on making it here and here. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I'd like to do something a little out of order. I generally uh, go into the offering, but I would love to just offer a prayer right now. Will you pray with me? Christ our Lord, you showed us radical love. You loved every person, whether they felt loved or lovable or not. And you remind us that we are called to serve as you served, love as you loved, and ultimately to forgive as you modeled. You forgave the woman at the well. You encouraged her and empowered her and she became a great testimony to your messianic presence. You forgave the woman who was tossed at your feet having been caught in the act of adultery. You created a space where the anger of the crowd was abated and that woman could find forgiveness and a new future. Lord, you heard those who came to you and cried out from their place of disability, having been judged and cast aside, having been considered to be less than nothing. And you brought them healing and wholeness and encouraged them to give thanks to God for the miraculous healing that they encountered in you. Lord, may we follow your example. May we take up not our arms but our cross. May we lay down the things that cause us to become obstacles to others and instead open up our hearts and our minds that we might be vessels of your healing grace. Help us to yearn to know other people as beloved and sacred worth rather than to categorize them, for we have experienced what it is to be set free from categories. We are no longer Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free. May we find liberation from all new categories that would bind us, sequester us, and segregate us. May we find a place to be one, for in you we truly are. We seek to find, to experience, and to share the equilibrium that you gave to us on that first Pentecost. We who have been loved beyond our ability recognize what a gift it is You have loved us more than we ever deserve and we could ever truly recognize. Our hearts, our spirits, our lives overflow with it. May we share it with others, for there is more than enough love from you. May it be so. In your incredible name we worship and we pray. May we go forth to live and to share and to love. In your same mighty name, amen. This is a time when we would be encouraging you to worship the Lord with your tithes and your offerings. And it is especially important for us to take these opportunities to worship and to adore and to share and to recognize that the gifts that we bring are truly transformed. I had a neighbor who uh, does come to worship occasionally, and they reached out to me this week, and they said, "You know, I, I, I have a produce delivery service, and I received an extra box. And do you know anybody that could use it?" And I said, "Actually, I do. Our Monday morning, our Monday afternoon distribution of Grace Grocery, our food mi- mission, love to have fresh produce, and so I was able to go and pick that up and bring that here and let our volunteers and our coordinators know that there was." incredible fresh produce here to feed those who are hungry. And that's the kind of transformation of gift that God does with your gifts, your monetary gifts every Sunday. God takes something that we could use, we could employ, or maybe we would fritter it away and it would become superfluous and it would simply just fade off into the ledger. But instead, God takes that gift and truly changes lives with it. Whether it's a box of fresh produce or whether it's a tithe or an offering. These things truly do mean the world to people. It reminds them that God is very much present and with them. And we hope and we pray that as you consider, if you want to be part of that miraculous work, that God will reward you with the experiences like I have had that let us know that it is not in vain. No gift ever given for the honor and glory of God is ever in vain but that instead we are becoming part of something that is truly changing lives, even if we don't know the names and the faces. It is part of the work of Christians to bless without necessarily getting the glory. But God always sees and knows, and God is sure to make sure that you experience blessings as well. May it be so. And for all those gifts that we receive, may God bless you and keep you and reveal to you that your gifts have been part of the fabric of faith that not only spreads over Crozet and encompasses all of those in our community with love and grace, but extends far beyond to places and people that we may never know and places we may never go. But instead, because of God's incredible Holy Spirit, we are able to bless far beyond our borders. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. We're going to close this morning with hymn 404, Every Time I Feel the Spirit. blessed you and encouraged you, and in some ways challenged you to take the power of Pentecost and make it real, not just for those in your circle, but those well beyond, that with every person that you encounter, how you choose to look and listen and respond is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak through you of God's love, forgiveness, and grace. Will you receive this benediction? God Almighty, who came to us in the pillars of cloud and fire, and Christ, who came to us in human form, and now the Holy Spirit, who has descended upon us once more, be at work in you and through you, that this day and every day you may become living vessels of God Almighty with the power to speak truth and love, the desire to forgive those who desperately need to know that there is another way. And ultimately, to show everyone with your words, and your acts, and your life that they are beloved. May you go forth into the rest of your day and every day in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who love you unequivocally. Go forth in peace. Amen.